Hey guys, this is Pastor David. First off, I want to thank you for taking the time to tune in to this week's message. Here at We Are Church, our mission is to be a place where people come to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. One of the ways that we do that is through the reading and teaching of the Word of God. So I pray that this message challenges you to take your faith to the next level. Enjoy the message. Well, today I'm here to talk to you about women in the kingdom of God. Women in the kingdom of God. You see, one of the things that we think about when you think about women in general, we think about the fact that culture tends to minimize us. True or false? Culture minimizes us. And because culture minimizes us, we don't find ourselves as prominent in the Bible as God wants us to be because men wrote the Bible, right? So they didn't talk about us as much as I think we should be, have been talked about. But when you really dig deep into the Bible and you start looking at the identity of who we are, you will find out that we're not missing in the Bible. We're all over the Bible. You know, a long time ago, I once heard a pastor's wife say, my husband is the head but I am the neck. And I was like, oh, I don't know if that's scriptural. Let me think about that one. So like a good Christian, I went to Google. <laughs> and I Googled it. What is the job of the neck? And Google said, the job of the neck is to provide support for the skull while allowing movement. Provide support while allowing movement. It's not to control, because when she first said that, that was my first thought. Because when you do this, you're thinking the neck controls the head, right? No. It's not to provide control, it's not for domination, it's not to supersede, it's not to rule, it's to support. Support means what? To be a helpmate, right? To be a helpmate. So that's the whole reason that God created woman. But before we get into that, I have a bone to pick with your pastor. He called me last week and he said, you know, we're teaching Kingdom series and I'd like you to talk to the women. And I said, I'll be honored to come. And as soon as I got off the phone, the first scripture that came to my mind was Titus 2, 3 to 5. And it says, older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious, not gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. And when I thought about that scripture, I said, you know what? I think he just called me old. <laughs> he just called me old. But I forgive him anyway. <laughs> Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to break your word, and I pray that you will lead me that you will touch every heart in this room and whatever message that you have for each individual, that they will get it and that you will be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. When you don't know the purpose of a thing, abuse is inevitable. 
I'll say that again. When you don't know the purpose of a thing, abuse is inevitable. When you, know, you do not know the purpose of a woman, a wife, a daughter, a sister, a mother, abuse is inevitable. In line of what we know, the purpose of human, how do we know what the purpose of the human being is? We have to go back to the manufacturer himself. Who is that manufacturer? God, he's the one who manufactured us. So we cannot know what our purpose is outside of God. So we have to go back to the Bible to find out. So let's go to Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the cattle, over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. Of the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So right from the inception of the world, he created the woman. See, there's two steps to creation. When you're creating something, you have to first imagine what you're creating before you can actually bring it into fruition, right? So when he created man, woman was already created in his mind. But it was later on that he actually created them physically. But look at, go back over there and see the word rule. He created us to rule. In the King James Version, that same word is rulership and it's used as dominion. Dominion includes the rule to have sovereignty or to reign. So that brings us to why we are created. We were created to be rulers. In his book, Rediscovering the Kingdom, Miles Monroe said that to be given dominion needs to be established as a sovereign kingdom or rule as a master or a governor, reigning over a territory. So when we think about Jesus, you think about the names of Jesus. One of them is he's the king of kings. What does that mean? He's a king of kings. That means he's kings over kings, right? So who are those kings that he's over? We are. We are kings. We are rulers. That's what God created us for. In Exodus 19, 5 to 6, it says that now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples of all the earth. Among all the peoples of all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you should speak to the sons of Israel. The original intent of God was to give us rulership. His desire was to manifest his glorious character, wisdom, and purposes on earth through us. One of the greatest crimes that you can commit in a kingdom is the crime of treason. The act of treason, the word treason, what does that mean? It is the crime of betraying one's country, especially by attempting to kill the sovereign or overthrow the government of that country. When I grew up, I grew up in Nigeria, and we had what we called coups, C-O-U-P. And a coup is when 
the government of a country is overthrown. So what happened was Adam's disobedience, we always think about it as he disobeyed God, right? He did more than that. It was an act of treason. What he did was he took the kingdoms of the keys to the kingdom of heaven and he handed it over to the enemy, Satan. That's treason. So in order for us to get that key back, that's why Jesus came. And that's why Jesus is called the second Adam. So he came to retrieve from Satan what Adam had given to Satan and give it back to us. And that's why we now have that opportunity to reign again, which was the original design of God. So when we talk about being born again, that means that we need to, we're first born naturally, that's into sin, and then we come to know Jesus, and through him we become born again. And when we're born again, what does that do? It restores us back to the original design of God. Let's look at Galatians 4.7. It says, you are no longer slaves, therefore you are no longer slaves, but you are now sons, heirs through God. So if God is king, what are his children? Ears. And what are the ears of a king called? Prince and princesses. So if you didn't know that before, you are a prince if you're a man, and you're a princess if you're a woman, because God, your heavenly Father, is the king. 1 John 3, 1a says, See how great a love the Father has given us, that we would be called the sons of God. And in fact we are, for this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. According to the Webster's Dictionary, it is a phrase particularly used for evangelicals, the phrase being born again. Baptism was dying to self and then rising again in Christ. As a prince or a princess, what, are you, what do you get to do? You get to become what we call an ambassador. An ambassador. But why is the, this whole concept of Christianity, why is it so hard for us to grasp? I know it's very hard for me to grasp. You know, you go through things, you come to the altar, you give it all to God, and then on your way out, what do we do? We pick it back up because it's comfortable. Why is it so comfortable for us to always go back to that thing that we know is going to destroy us? You see, the reality is that our minds cannot really comprehend what it means to be a child of God. You see, a kingdom is what is known as a monarchy. And a monarchy is a form of government where the supreme power is bestowed upon one individual. The leader who is that monarch is wholly set apart from everybody else. And in God's kingdom and monarchy, God has the absolute authority. 
But what kind of government do we practice? Democracy. And no matter what anybody tells you, American democracy is the best form of government that we have in the natural. But what is democracy? I went back to my civics class when I was in high school, actually in grade school. We learned that democracy is the government of the people, for the people, by the people. Which means you take one of the people, of the people, okay, and they come in to represent and lead the people, for the people, and then who puts those people in power? We do, by the people. Democracy is about rights, freedoms, and liberties. And those rights, freedoms, and liberties are all protected by the Constitution. Monarchy, on the other hand, is about privilege and responsibility. You don't have rights in the kingdom. We have privileges in the kingdom. We also have responsibility in the kingdom. A right is something that cannot be legally denied someone, such as your right to free speech, rights to press, rights to religion, rights to raise your own family, rights to have a business without the intervention of government. A privilege, on the other hand, is something that can be taken away from you. So our concept of rulership is one of democracy and not one of monarchy. So that's one of the reasons why we struggle with the kingdom of God, because God has ultimate authority, ultimate authority. So we've already declared that we're princes and princesses. A, prince, a princess or prince represents the, gov the um, authority first. They're like an ambassador. When you are an ambassador to a country, one of the first things you lose is your right to an opinion. If you go to any ambassador of the United States for any country and you ask them, how do you feel about any issue? The only thing that they can say is how the government of the United States feels about that issue. So when it comes to us as princes and princesses, when someone asks you a question about anything, regardless of how you personally feel, the only answer is what the book of God, the Bible says. How do you feel about abortion? What does the Bible say? When does the Bible say life begins? That's the only opinion you have. Well, what about in the instance of rape or molestation? That's still the only one you have. Do you have compassion for the, someone who was raped? Absolutely. That is the heart of God. But does that change the outcome that that child was beautifully made by our Lord? No, it does not. An ambassador is a person who represents his or her own government while living in another country. Did you know you're living in another country? This is not our home. We're visiting here. Our home is with God. 
So we are here as ambassadors representing the King of Kings. We belong to him. So the only thing that we get to do is to be as he is. What does that mean? We talk like him. We look like him. We dress like him. Are you following me? Will Jesus say that if the answer is no, you don't get to say it? Will Jesus do that if the answer is no, you don't get to do it? We have no opinion. Did you hear me? No opinion. Let's go to the book of Esther, one of my favorite books. In the beginning of the book, we talked about, um, the king talked about Queen Vashti. What did Queen Vashti do wrong? Her husband was throwing a party and he wanted to call on her so that everybody can admire the woman that he caught. He wanted to present her beauty to everyone and she was tired. If you go back and read that scripture, you'll find out that this party had been going on for weeks. The woman was tired. It took me a while to see that, because all along we always printed Vashti as the woman who disobeyed her husband and all that. But if you really go and you read that story, you will find out that this party has been going on for so long. She had just got to the point where, I'm done. How many of us get there? We get to that point where we're just like, I am just done with this. But what she did was, Her husband said, I called her and she did not come. Because she did not come when I called on her, other women will see that and they'll say, if Queen Vashti can do it, so can I. In other words, Vashti was an ambassador. So if she had done that, other women would have followed her. And because of that, the king could not allow it. And when he got rid of Vashti, that's how Esther became queen. Now, when Esther became queen, let's look at King, Queen Esther. Did you know she was an Israelite? Did her husband know? No. Why did he not know? Have you thought about that? She didn't dress like an Israelite. She didn't talk like an Israelite. She didn't carry herself like an Israelite. Even her husband did not know because she became an ambassador. She took on the form of the government that she represented, just like we're supposed to take on the form of the government that we represent as God's children. Why do people feel comfortable cursing around you? May I suggest that because they've probably heard you curse? I was at a conference last year, and the man who organized the conference, I happened to sit at a table, and his wife came and sat down over on that same table. And so when he, he came and he sat next to his wife, and she said something to him, and he called her a really bad name. And I was so shocked. I, the way I looked up at him, 
He said, ma'am, I'm so sorry. He apologized to me, not to his wife. He'll never have a conference for me to go to again because I saw the character of who he is. He didn't see her as who God made her to be. He didn't see her because he did not know the value of a wife. He saw her as something other than what God made her to be to him. We need to keep our eyes open and watch things. There's a very prominent pastor that I know. Years ago, I was actually still, I was in college at the time. And I happened to be at their house because my, I have someone who knows them. This is not, you know, this is someone that's so big that I wouldn't even be near them if I wasn't close to somebody who was close to them. That's how I got to be in their house. And the way he spoke to his wife in front of me, I loved every respect for him that day. Until this day, I have no respect for this man because he did not know the value of a wife. Princesses need to look like their father and represent their father. My dad was a judge, and he used to always tell us, remember the child of who you are. What does that mean? I heard that, I can't remember the first time I heard it because I heard it my entire life. Remember the daughter of who you are. Instead of telling us, don't do this, don't do that, don't do, he didn't have to do that. He just says, remember of the daughter of who you are. What does that mean to be the child of a judge? You better not do anything illegal. Don't break the law. Don't go where you're not supposed to go. Keep your word. All of these different things that goes behind that. That's the same thing with being a child of God. There are certain things that should be expected of us automatically just because we declare him as our father. When you walk into the United Nations, you know who the Africans are. How do you know? the color of their skin? How about their clothing? Can you look at their clothing and tell that they're from Africa? Yeah. Do your clothes tell everybody that you're a child of God? You know, in my, in my church, my former pastor used to keep the sanctuary so cold. I mean, it was freezing. You better have a sweater or a blanket, or something. Why did he do that? I found out eventually. It's because of the way the women dressed. You didn't know that? That's why. It was because of the women. They dressed so scantily that the men couldn't worship. So he had to freeze all of us in order for them to cover up. Yeah, that's what he had to do. Nobody should have to do that with Christians. I understand that the church is not, everybody is not saved, and we want to have a welcoming atmosphere for everybody. I get that. 
But once you become his child, once you take those keys back from Satan and you now have dominion all over again, your attitude needs to be different. Your dressing needs to be different. People should not be surprised when they find out you're a Christian and they go, he's a what? Instead, they should say, oh, now that makes sense. That makes sense. That's what they're supposed to be saying when it comes to us. See, there's only one nationality in the kingdom of God. One. Male and female, it's all one. Black and white and brown and yellow, all one. If you have racism in your heart, guess what? You don't have those keys back yet. If you treat one person differently than you do another, and it's on the basis of not their character, but it's on the basis of their skin color, you don't have those keys back yet. In Genesis 2.18, it says, Then God said, It is not good that the man should be alone, and I'll make him a helper as his partner. What is the purpose of a woman? She is to be a helper, a helpmate. That is what she was created for. We look at one of the most painful scriptures. Matthew 7.22 says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did, you, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name we cast out demons, and in your name we perform miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Leave me, you who practice lawlessness. How do you practice miracles? You perform miracles. It's because you believe, because the Bible says these signs will follow those who believe, right? But do you know the Bible also says that demons believe and they tremble? So your belief is not what gets you into heaven. It's your lordship. The lordship that he has over you is what gets you into heaven. Lordship is what says I dress a certain way, I speak a certain way, I only go to certain places. There are places you can go to that would say to everybody that you're not a child of God. I'm a, I'm a realtor, and I remember a few years ago, uh, I got this assignment, and I have this gentleman that works with me who is also a Christian, and we wanted to do this BPO, and we got the address, and I sent it to him. I said, hey, go, go take the pictures of this, and let's run the comp so we can comp comp compare it for him. And he calls me. He said, Maureen, do you know what this place is? I said, no, I gave you the address. He said, it's a pawn shop. I can't go in there. I said, you're right. I'm sorry. I didn't know what it was. All I had was an address. And we went to the company and said, we're sorry, we cannot do this for you because we cannot go inside. And they're like, you can't go in? You're not going to do anything. I said, no, we can't go in there. How many people can see him coming out of that place? How many people will he have to explain that to? Where you go tells people about who you are. What you do tell people about who you are. We need to be very careful as children of God. 
Matthew 23, 13 and to 15 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut the kingdom of heaven in front of people, for you do not enter it yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering it to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one of you, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. What is that saying? He's saying that you Pharisees, you people of God, you children of God, you go out and you witness to someone and you bring them into the fold of Christ. And then you corrupt them and you make them twice as worse as they were when they were in the world than when they were in the church. You see what God is saying? He sees that. You're out there witnessing to people. You're out there telling people this is the way you need to act. This is the way you need to behave. And then when they come into your own home, they see how you talk to your wife. They see how you, they go, oh, if David can talk to his wife like that, so can I. Because they're going to say, David is a child of God, right? So if he does that, I can do that too. What are you doing that's causing another believer to sleep? What is in your life today that does not glorify God? Stop it. Stop it. You know, there's a story I heard a long time ago from, um, I forgot his name now. He's a church, he has a church in Texas. And he was talking about this man running a red light. He ran this red light. You know how you do that rolling stop? You look to the right, there's nobody. You look to the left, there's nobody. And you just kind of ease on through. As soon as he eased on through, there goes those blue lights. The cop stops him, gives him a ticket. Next day, he looks again. He sees nobody. He does the same thing. The cop stops him, gives him another ticket. The third day, the same thing happened again. This time, the, he said, but officer, you can't keep doing this to me every day. He said, yes, I can. He said, but I didn't, I know I didn't stop, but I slowed down. He said, okay, roll down your window. He did. I know you old, you younger people are going, yeah, she's old. She said, roll down the window. <laughs> so the cop said, put your head out. He did. So he took his baton, baton and started hitting him on the head. He said, do you want me to slow down or do you want me to stop? <laughs> stop sinning. There is no slowing down. Well, I, did, I don't do it as much as I used to. Stop it. Become that prince. Become that princess. Become who God has called you to be. Esther 1.6, in the presence of the king and other officials, Memukin said, Queen Vashti was wronged, not only, has wronged not only the king, but also the officials and all the peoples who are in the provinces of the king Ahasuerus. For the queen's conduct will become known to all the women as to make their husbands despicable in their sights when they say the king commanded the queen to be brought to his presence, but she did not come. And this day the wives of the officials of Persia and Media 
who have heard about the king's conduct will talk about it to all the king's officials, and there will be plenty of contempt and anger in the land. Vashti was an ambassador, and so Israel, um, Esther had to come in to become the wife of the king. What are some of the topics that we deal with today? I already talked about racism and abortion. I've talked about dressing. I've talked about our language. Let's look at what Titus say. I'm going to end on that same scripture I started with. It's Titus 2, 3 to 5. The older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior. What does that mean, to be reverent? It means to express or characterize by reverence, which is worship. The King James Version says their behavior should be one that becomes holiness. Women are to be holy women. Then it goes on to say that not malicious gossips. What is a gossip? You know, the best definition I ever heard was from Dave Ramsey. I took a leadership course with him for business, and he talked about what is gossip. The, his definition of gossip is when you share something with someone who cannot fix it, you're gossiping. Yeah, that puts a whole new light on it, doesn't it? In his office, if you tell, if I go to, I forgot your name now, Lauren, it went just way. And I said, Lauren, do you know that the copier is broken? If Lauren is not the one that fixes the copier, that's considered, considered gossip. Because what does that do to Lauren? Now she's going to say, oh, the copier is broken. You know that water, uh, that water machine over there doesn't work. The everything around here is broken. You're planting seeds into Lauren by telling her about the copier when she's not the one who fixes the copier. In his company, you only get to do it twice. The second time, you're fired. And to us, we think, that's such a small thing. No, it's not. You're planting a seed in somebody else. Any information that you share with someone that has nothing to do with it and can do nothing about it, that's gossip. Do you know? Have you heard? Come and hear. Gossip. Stop it. The next one, malice. What is malice? Having something negative that you're holding against another one. So we I come and I say, oh, Kathy, did you know that Sister Bland just lost her job? We need to pray for her. What was your intent? Kathy is looking at you like a really nice person who is praying for Sister Blant, right? But in actuality, you're using prayer as a cover-up for gossip. Can we just pray for one of my friends who lost her job without telling you who that person is? Does God know who that person is? I think he does. Stop the gossiping. Number three says that the women should not be enslaved. What does that mean? Controlled by something else. 
It means having no idols. Idols. See, idols in the olden days used to be graven images. Let me tell you what our idols are today. Food. Alcohol. Sex. Work. Even honorable things like work. Somebody who works so much that they can't be home with their family. They spend no time at home because they're working all the time. And they're not doing it because they need the money. They're doing it because money has now become an idol. Money is an idol too. How about television? Your soap operas. Can't live without them. Those are idols. Anything that we put in front of God, anything that doesn't have its rightful place in our life is an idol. He says we need to stop all that idolatry. It says, teach these women what is good and godly. Do you know that your children learn more from what you do than what you say? You can say it all day long. They're going to do what you do. One of the scariest moments in my life was I have this um, goddaughter. When she was little, she was about maybe three, four years old at the time. I saw her take her purse and she's walking like this. And her mom said, what are you doing? She said, I'm walking like Aunt Moran. And it scared me because for one, the first time in my life, I saw somebody who was modeling me. And I said, I better, I better get it right because that child is watching me. She said she wanted to be just like me when she grew up. I have some things in my life that I need to get rid of if I want her to be like me. We need to do the same thing. Your children are watching you. Bringing them the church is not enough. The church they see at home is the church. We are to be encouraging. Are you encouraging? We are to be encouraging. They need to love their husbands. What does that mean? That means respect. Did you hear me? Respect. You don't get to talk to him anyhow. I remember a friend, this lady, she's my friend now, but she wasn't my friend when I first met her. She was a friend of a friend. And we, this friend and I used to go on conferences together. She was another Christian woman and we would share a room. And then this lady from California comes up to my friend and tells her, can I join you? Can I room with you? Because some of those rooms were so expensive. We're talking $400, $500 a night. She's like, can I join you in your room? We're like, yeah, sure, you can come on. No, my friend said she could come on. And then she told me, I'm like, why are you going to tell that girl to come? You know she's a heathen. She's like, oh, don't worry about it. I was like, okay. Well, on the day we arrived at the conference, my friend from Florida who invited her couldn't come because she got a boatload of properties that were given to her by a bank, 20-something listings that she got in one day. And it was just impossible for her to travel and take care of that business. So she calls me and says, I'm not going to be able to make it. I said, you're kidding me. I'm going to be stuck in the room with that woman. <laughs> so she was my roommate by default. Lo and behold, I hear her on the phone. She's talking. I'm only hearing one side of the conversation. And it was bad. 
when she got off the phone, I said, who was that that you were talking to? She said, my husband. I said, that was your husband you were talking to? She said, yeah, what's, what's the problem? I said, wow. I said, at first I thought it was your employee, but then I thought if I was your employee and you talked to me like that, I would leave you. If I was your slave, I would run away. I'm serious, that's exactly what I said to her. I said, you don't talk to your husband like that. That is a complete lack of respect. You don't even talk to anybody like that, let alone your husband. And God uses an, an opportunity for me to really minister to her. When she went home, she called me. She said, I, my husband picked me up at the airport and I said, we need to talk and I, we went to eat. And she told her husband what I had said to her. He started crying. He said, I've been trying to tell you that for years. You never heard me. Her friends never told her that. See, people who don't tell you the truth, they're not your friends. And it endeared her to me. I was able to lead this woman to Christ because I saw what was wrong in her and I let her know that there is a better way. So respect for your husband, that's what you do. If you have a problem with him that you cannot resolve, find somebody else that can talk to him. You know, I told one of my nieces once, I said, I don't want you to marry that man that she was dating. Why? I said, who does he respect and who does he bow to? If, he, if you do something to him and he will not forgive you, who would you go talk to that can talk to him? She said, nobody, he's too arrogant. I said, that's why you can't marry him. Any man that does not bow to us, somebody else is a man you do not bow to. So if your husband has no head, he can't be your head. Find a head that your husband can respect and then together you can go to that person. So when he needs spanking, go talk to his head. You don't get to do it. You don't get to do it because the respect needs to be there. Love your children. Loving them is disciplining them. Just sitting right there, I saw a mom go, if. That's love. We think love is coddling them, letting them get away with everything. No, it's not. Because if you don't get them right and create order in their life, the government will do it for you. That's the one you don't want. They won't get under authority in your house. They'll get under authority with a police officer and they may get killed by that police officer. But if you whip them in your own house, they won't have to be whipped when they go outside. So love your children. Sensible, pure workers in their home. Sensible. Somebody calls and says, I'm five minutes from your house. I gotta, st hey, hey, go, go clean that up. I gotta put those dishes in the dishwasher. Oh, go, and you're running all around. That's not sensible. Do you know what you're saying when you do that and you're running helter-selter trying to clean up before somebody comes in? You're saying that person that's coming to my house is better than me. They deserve more than I do. Did you hear what I said? They're better than me. They deserve to come into a clean home that I don't deserve to live in. Clean up your house. I'm serious. 
Make the bed when you get up. Clean the dishes. Put them away. You don't have to have the cleanest, the nicest things. But whatever things you have, respect them and take care of them. Then God will give you, you will give God the opportunity to bless you with more. If you have not already taken care of the little that you have, why would he trust you with more? Clean your house. Let people walk into your house and know that the child of God lives here. A princess lives here. See, there are some things that are just not becoming of a Christian, not becoming of a princess. So be the princess that you are. Fix yourself up. Don't wear that robe all the time around the house. Oh, I already got him. <laughs> the way you got him is the way you keep him. Okay? Fix yourself up. Sensible, pure workers in their home. Kind. I didn't say nice. There's a difference. I said kind. When you're kind, you tell people the truth. I remember getting into an argument with a friend once, and she said, I said, why didn't you do that? She said, because I'm nice, I'm not like you. I said, I'm not nice, but I'm kind. See, when you see somebody and they wear something that doesn't look good on them, tell them. If you're my friend, I'll pull you aside, I'll say, that hairstyle, that's not you. That other one you had before was nicer. Don't wait till they go outside and people laugh at them. Tell them before they leave home. That's being kind. I know it's difficult and it takes courage, but be kind. Kindness takes courage. Would you rather your best friend tell you that lipstick is one you shouldn't wear? Those pants, don't do that. Or would you rather have people laugh at you on the street? Pick one. Because if you can't take it from her, you're going to take it when you get out there. So go ahead and listen to your best friend now so that you don't have to. I have friends that can talk to me. They can go, Moran, uh-uh. That's not princess attitude. And I can receive it from them because I know it comes from a place of love. I know they love me enough to tell me the truth. That's kindness. And finally, it says they need to be subject to their husband so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Subject to their husband. He's the one that God gave dominion to. If you can't respect the man, don't marry him. And if you're already married to him, you got no choice now, respect him. Respect him. Why does the Bible say that the word of God will be dishonored if, you don't, if you're not subject to your husband? Because God made him head. God made him head. So single women, if you can't respect him, please don't marry him. I know the time is ticking. I know your biological clock is keeping you awake, but don't do it. Because it says right here, it says the word of God will be dishonored. And it means you will not be an ambassador for God when you do that. Keep these words in mind. And I really would like to see you take that 
scripture in Titus. Women, read it every day for 30 days. Just that simple scripture, and I'll read it again. Older women, likewise, be reverence in their behavior. Don't be malicious. Don't be a gossip. Don't be enslaved to anything. Here it says too much wine, but to anything. Teach what is good so that they may encourage the young people to love your husband, love your children, be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, subject to their husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. None of us is where we need to be, but all of us should certainly be on our way there. And the things of God needs to be evident in us so that we don't dishonor him, so that we be the ambassadors for him. As I close, if you believe that you have not been the ambassador that you need to be, I would like the prayer team to come up. Ask God for forgiveness. See, we have a reachable Father, an approachable Father that we can come to, that we can share with the things that are going on with us, and we can confess our sins before Him. The Bible says He is eagerly going to welcome us back. And then you can ask God to give you the strength to be able to walk in the way that you need to walk. So if, that's a, if, I, if that applies to you, come on up and let someone pray with you. And just make that decision today. From now on, from here on forward, I'm going to become an ambassador for Christ. I'm going to honor my husband. I'm going to be faithful to God. I'm going to raise my children. I'm going to clean my house. I'm going to dress like the princess that I am. Hey guys, thanks again for taking the time to listen to this week's message. If you would like to know more about We Are Church or maybe you're considering sowing into We Are Church, you can find us online at wearechurchnashville.org or you can reach us on all social media platforms at We Are Church Nashville. Hey, I pray you have a blessed week and we will see you next time.